0: Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Our listener Kylie in Moab writes, How about doing a story about the tar sands in Grand County and the Book Cliffs Highway? Seems like the state is thinking that Grand County is the new sacrifice zone for energy development. Well, from time to time, we like to develop uh, listener comments. We appreciate them into in-depth programs. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about this issue on the program today, I invite you to uh, give us your perspective Is this energy versus recreation? Can the two coexist? What about potential environmental damage? What about economic development? We'd love to get your perspective. And if you're not in Grand County, what's happening with oil and gas development where you live and how do you feel about it? In uh, Grand County, some 70% of jobs are provided by the tourism industry, which... uh, course, it depends on the pristine landscape and the canyon lands and arches and the, and the great scenery there. Uh, but there's a growing uh, oil and gas development, also potash mining, uh, copper, tar sands, a nuclear plant in the area, a proposed nuclear plant in the area. Uh, can the two coexist? Some say, yes, they can. And even though just some 2% of jobs come from oil and gas extraction, those are good jobs that can support a family going to talk about this with John Weisheit, Conservation Director for Living Rivers. And John Weisheit joins us by telephone. Thanks for joining us.
1: Good morning, Tom. How are you?
0: Uh, Doing well. We're also joined by Chris Barrett, Executive Director of the Canyonlands Watershed Council. Thanks for uh, joining us.
2: Glad to be here.
0: And uh, we are also joined by uh, Lynn Jackson, uh, who is Chairman of the Grand County Council. Thanks for joining us.
3: You're welcome, Tom. Glad
0: to be here. And uh, David Early, mayor of Castle Valley, is with us.
2: Hi, Tom. Uh, Thank you very
0: much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, So the number is 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to get your perspective. You can join us by email to upraccess at gmail.com, or you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page like to start with Lynn Jackson, uh, Grand County Council uh, Chairman. Uh, I wonder if you could uh, provide the perspective uh, of uh, on the job side. Some 70% of jobs right now, I'm reading, are provided by the tourism industry. It's a small percentage, some 1% or 2% provided by energy extraction right now. But uh, so... Uh, that seems lopsided in terms of uh, figuring out multi-use. Uh, maybe give us perspective of uh, where oil and gas and the other uh, mining operations fit in in terms of the economy.
3: Yeah, uh, I would agree. Uh, we we have some concerns in Grand County. We're, we're very lucky to have a recreation industry, uh, but it it is our primary driver. Um, while some seventy percent of the jobs are are in the recreation sector, forty uh, percent of those jobs are in what's classified as the leisure and hospitality industry, and those jobs pay an average monthly salary of about fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, typically, there are no benefits, and typically, folk they are not year-round jobs. So, what we're looking at. Uh, from a county government perspective, is, is how can we diversify uh, our economic base and and enjoy, uh, you know, the benefits of both the recreation economy and uh, a moderate level of, of mineral development, which is another resource that we have here. So uh, we're just, uh, I, I think it's a, a question of how to diversify economy in the 19th through the 1960s, 70s, and early 80s, Moab was a one economy, uh, kind of a, in, in a one economy situation with uranium mining. And of course, due to factors far beyond the control of anybody in Grand County, that industry shut down. And when it did, there were devastating uh, economic effects throughout, throughout the county. So it's, it's kind of a question, well, we, we've been in a situation where we had a, a, a one industry economy before, and we should be wary Uh, of putting ourselves back in that situation when there are some other options to help diversify.
0: Before I move on, uh, you're quoted in the Desert News, a very fine article, Amy Joy Donahue, as saying that if if you're a young person with a family from Salt Lake City with no particular skill set, you want to move to Moab, forget it.
3: Well, that's That's, that's that's true. If if you're working in in leisure or hospitality, it's $1,500 a month. Uh, you know, average rents around here are anywhere from a thousand to twelve hundred a month. Uh, homes probably are in a three hundred to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars range. So, it's it's pretty much impossible at fifteen hundred dollars a month uh, huh. to live here.
0: And uh, I believe you are also quoted in this article as saying you believe that these two industries can coexist.
3: Well, I believe they can. Uh, You know, it it requires some level of compromise on both sides from both industries, but um, I I think if it's done properly, uh, we we can find a way to do that. You know, as a quick example, uh, there's been a potash mine on the banks of the Colorado River since the early 1960s, and there's a a very popular Jeep trail that goes right through the middle of their uh, solar evaporation ponds and by the mine site. And 30 years ago, that uh, these these facilities were on the ground, and, and this trail, the Schaefer Basin Trail, was very uh, was not used very much. But in the intervening 30 years, the the recreational use on that trail has probably exploded by several orders of magnitude. So I think people understand that there's there as they drive through this, it uh, you know. It, it hasn't completely destroyed the entire countryside. I mean, it takes up about 1,000 acres of land in in the 2.5 million acres of land we have in Grand County. So uh, I think if everybody's willing to, to, to meet in the middle a little bit, in my opinion, we, we can have these industries coexist.
0: We're talking about uh, energy development in Grand County. Can it coexist with the current dominant uh, economic driver, uh, tourism, recreation, uh, and perhaps this is similar to where you live if you don't live in uh, Grand County. We'd love to get your perspective wherever you are. And The number is one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five, 826 1495 or you can join us by email to upraccess at com. Uh, possibility to comment on our Utah Public Radio Facebook uh, site as well, and uh, you just heard there from the Grand County Council Chairman Lynn Jackson. We're, we're also going to be talking with Chris Barrett, Executive Director of Canyonlands Watershed Council, and David Early, Mayor of Casavelli. Let me turn next to John Weisheit, Conservation Director for Living Rivers. What is your view? Can can these two industries coexist?
1: No, actually no industry can coexist in the Colorado Basin as a whole because these extractive industries need water. And the Colorado River doesn't have anything left to give. Um, Right now, for example, agencies such as the Department of Energy that runs the hydropower for um, the Colorado River system and the Bureau of Reclamation have announced that There is no more surplus on the Colorado River that demand and population growth, which includes industry and municipalities, is uh, projected to have deficits up to three to three and a half million acre feet in the next few decades. Mm -hmm. So there's no, the point that I think that needs to be made is, is that this basin doesn't have the water for these extractive industries.
0: Mm. So that's that's and your that's your main concern I guess the the water.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the second one is is that <clears throat> these extractive industries, especially the ones tied to hydrocarbons, are going to negatively affect the hydrocycle of the atmosphere and I'm speaking specifically about greenhouse gases. So um if we want the Colorado River to be a healthy and productive system the things that we need in this basin have to be things that won't take away the gift of the Colorado River. And so this is the wrong direction. We, if, if we're to develop energy in this basin or uh, in this country it has to be about things that won't harm the hydrocycle. Mm.
0: We turn next uh, to Chris Barrett, Executive Director Canyonlands Watershed Council. What, what are your main concerns?
2: Well, uh, first I kind of want to make clear that there really are two separate um, issues of concern. Uh, Grand County traditionally has had uh, a, a fairly, um, well, a traditional form of energy extraction. Uh, we don't really have any fracking, so to speak. Uh, nor tar sands or oil shell. We do have a a bit of a boom happening um, just north of Canyonlands in an area called Big Flats, and that's a fairly traditional uh, energy extraction model. Um, There are a lot of concerns that the recreation industry has um, in that area specifically because recreation and uh, mineral resources overlap uh, so closely up there. And so I think that in that area, <clears throat> uh, recreation and industry is going to have to be very careful to uh, negotiate negotiate around one another. Uh, but my greatest concern really is with opening up um, development in the book cliffs and the uh, upper escarpments up there. Um, that energy development is not like anything that Grand County has ever seen before. Uh, we would be moving into uh, fairly dense um... hydraulic shell fracturing uh, tar sands and oil shell operations uh, uh... and these kind of energy projects uh... really do greatly concern me um, I, I believe in um, in adopting a transition strategy from uh, a dirty fuels economy into something much cleaner it's been called out as really imperative by a lot of uh, very authoritative uh, scientific collaborations, the IPCC, is getting in the news a lot. Um, and so, you know, I, can, I understand that uh, we can't just flip a switch and go from a fossil fuels economy to a renewable energy economy overnight. Um, so if uh, I'm going to tolerate uh, fossil fuel energy extraction, I want to know that we're moving in the right direction. Um, the the uh, proposal, the recent proposal... By the grand county council and to work with you in a county on a uh, proposed uh, haul road or one or more up, up into the book cliffs to uh, get to this um, the energy resources up there in my opinion is really a quantum leap in the wrong direction tar sands and oil shell are really the dirtiest most impactful uh, fossil fuel extraction economies in the world so it's it's really concerning to me that we're moving backwards from uh, what really the the leading scientists in the world are telling us we should be doing.
0: Let me turn next uh, to uh, David Early, Mayor of uh, Castle Valley. I want to get your general perspective, and then and then I'm interested in, in hearing what you're hearing from your residents there.
4: Well, I'd like to follow up on what Chris and John have said. I think um, that was pretty accurate, and I don't want to repeat that. but. If you, there are some inadvertent things that will come of this development if it does happen, and tar sands is extreme, oil shale are extremely um, scary to us, but there's an opportunity cost to tying all this water up into in southern Utah and the rest of Utah's allocation, and this kind of energy um, doesn't leave any for progressive alternative type energies when the time or the state might be ready for that. And so that's something that gets lost in this is we're, we're tying our water rights up as best we can in traditional hydrocarbons or non-traditional hydrocarbons and things such as the Green River power plant in, yeah, well, Green River, which would, you know, probably be designed or to power a tar sands industry if it had any relevance. So that really is concerning to me. I also feel that um, the tar sands development up there would be mountaintop removal. Um, like West Virginia, it rains in West Virginia and we have a dust on snowpack problem already in the Colorado River Basin and we're gonna propose these things that basically or make it easier to do these technologies that really are gonna exacerbate the problems we already have basin-wide and globally and I agree with Chris we need to put and John, we need to put our energies into a different kind of of energy moving forward and yes we're going to frack and we're going to get hydrocarbons out of the Uinta basin but it's a far cry different to take out natural gas than it is to go um, mine thirty thousand acres of tar sands on the book cliffs in mountaintop removal fashion we were up there this past weekend looking at the amount of overburden and it's phenomenal just on the nine acre test plot or test plot so those are, are my big concerns and I think my constituents are are extremely concerned with the general push towards making Grand County a sacrifice zone. Um, we realize that the Wasatch Front has air quality problems and you don't need any more refining. Um, we already realize that Bernal has air quality problems and we feel that if all this comes to us, we'll have air quality problems. Um, Chris is much more versed in the ozone issues at Dead Horse Point and locally than I am. It's uh, another side issue to this conversation that's worth talking about. Um, but I think that's, that's the general concern here is that um, we'll industrialize, we'll boom bust. We haven't even gotten into the Book Cliffs Highway proposal of Sago Canyon, which at present sounds like a, um, a toll road the county would get tolls from. But if you know what happens after the hydrocarbon comes out? What what happens if if we actually get a carbon tax in this country that makes or globally that makes uh, the tar sands undevelopable economically? And all of a sudden there aren't anybody taking tolls down that road. Are the Grand County taxpayers stuck with what looks to be an extremely difficult um, and advanced project to get a haul road down there? So there's there's a lot of questions about this, but doesn't seem like there's uh, our public officials are looking into things such as what the implications of of that kind of um scale of tar sands mining and mountaintop removal would mean around here so those are some of our concerns
0: all right Uh, we're going to take a brief break when we come back, I'll go first to uh, Lynn Jackson, who uh, may have a, a different view on on some of these issues, and I want to talk specifically about the, the Tar Sands proposals and Bookcliffe's Highway. That's specifically what uh, Kylie wanted us to talk about. We're uh, we're uh, jumping this program off of uh, some of the uh, questions she raised. Of course, she is representative of, uh, of some people in uh, the Moab area. There have been a couple of protests in front of the BLM on uh, some of these things. And, um, of course, others uh, believe that... Uh, these industries can coexist, and in fact, uh, for economic diversification and for jobs uh, that they need to. We're discussing this issue, and we're asking you, uh, even if you're not in uh, Grand County, if you're in an area where they're ramping up oil and gas and other uh, extractive industries, how do you feel about it? And uh, the number is 1-800-826-1495, one 826 1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Love to hear from uh, people in Grand County. Love to hear from uh, someone in Uinta County. I know that uh, on some recent trips back to my hometown of Vernal, uh, I, I noticed that... Well, if I just take a bumper sticker poll, (laughs) there's a lot of support for the extractive industries in Vernal. If you uh, support it, or perhaps you don't, you can tell me that uh, I'm reading the bumper stickers wrong in that county. The number is 1 800 826 1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. More following the break.
1: Hi, it's Lynn Rossetto Casper. It's one thing to master cooking techniques, and entirely another to master flavor. Join us this week with Indian chef Raghavan Iyer for the Indian flavoring tricks that will echo through everything you cook. That's The Splendid Table from APM. Tuesday morning at 10 on Utah
5: Public Radio.
6: Waste not. Don't use running water to thaw food. Defrost food in the refrigerator for water efficiency and food safety. Another water efficiency tip, only run your washing machine and dishwasher
0: with full loads. Waste not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org publicworks.
3: Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crum Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, open Monday through Saturday until 3. Now offering a ham and cheese demi-baguette sandwich. Menu details at crumbrothers.com.
0: Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Grand County, of course, a beautiful county. It's uh, home to Arches National Park, Canyonlands National Park, Dead Horse State Park, uh, Colorado River, land that surrounds it. uh, Generates uh, $1.8 million last year in visitor spending in the county, true uh, 2.5 million visitors a year. Of course, that's a great economic driver. And important that uh, they have pristine landscapes, opportunities for people to enjoy the wonderful countryside there. Some 70% of jobs come from the tourism industry. Uh, But now uh, extractive industries are ramping up. There's uh, great potential there. Some 145 billion cubic feet of natural gas estimated in that area. 32.5 million barrels of oil. Uh, Potash mining, copper mining. And potential perhaps for tar sands and oil shale. Uh, All of this is ramping up conflicts that were potential there in any case over uh, can these two industries coexist or not, and uh, should they, and what should be done about these extractive industries. Uh, Green light them, um, yellow light them, you might say, with some caution or, or put a stop to it. The uh, number to uh, chime in on this is one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. You can join us uh, by uh, email to upraccess at gmail dot com, and we're talking with John Weisheit, conservation director for Living Rivers; Chris Baird, executive director of Canyonlands Watershed Council; David Early, mayor of Castle Valley, and Lynn Jackson, who's Grand County Council chairman. Uh, Lynn Jackson, I understand you're a former geologist with the BLM, one time potash consultant. It's a part of yeah. your background. Um, and as we've already established, you believe the the you know the two major industries there can coexist, and, and in fact, for economic diversification and for jobs, uh, should. I wonder if you could uh, talk a bit about <clears throat> some of the concerns raised, specifically starting with uh, the the uh, tar sands and and Bookcliffs Highway potential highway there.
3: I'd be glad to, and and Tom, I you know I I would thank you for providing you know the public with this. This opportunity for dialogue, I uh, uh, appreciate and respect uh, the opinions of, of Chris and, and John and Dave, and and would share some of those. Um, uh, I, but I guess I'm more of a uh, of a yellow light kind of a person. Grand County has not green lighted any of these, um, and and so. There are many questions as we go forward, and as a county council, we recognize there are many questions, and, and we would proceed uh, very slowly and cautiously. For instance, uh, regarding this, uh, what's being called the Bookcliffs Highway, we've certainly made no decisions to proceed with building a road or a pipeline or anything like that. Uh, we have simply uh, would like to do uh, some studies. One would be an economic study of, of potential value. Uh, one would be uh, a study of, of potential routes and what those costs would be, including maintenance, um, so that as we move forward that that we we can have these discussions in, in, in an informed manner. Uh, a, a lot of what... Uh, some of my colleagues on the show are concerned about or are, are, are speculative, uh, quite frankly. Um, I'm not aware that that we we know uh, as a society that oil shell is, in fact, a viable uh, project up in a Basin. Uh, we don't know for certain about tar sands. Um, the potash was a very speculative, market-driven uh, issue that started in about 2008 and the prices have dropped back down, and, and it's uh, highly doubtful that we'll we'll see any additional potash development. Um, so, so we understand as, as a council. I certainly understand many of these questions, and and we should proceed very cautiously. And and it is our intent on the Grand County Council to do just that—to proceed cautiously. Let's let's answer some some questions and see where we're at, and. And see what the next steps may be. It, it could be, uh, it could be that these next steps come down, and, and this is not a viable thing to consider uh, a transportation corridor into the Bookcliffs. At this point, you know I think we all need to reserve some judgment and see what these studies tell us. Um, you know, one one thing I would point out is is that this tar sand proposed tar sand development all is all occurring on. State lands owned by Sitla State Institutional Trust Lands, uh, by state statute, Grand County or any county has no authority whatsoever on those state lands. Uh, so, it, I know some of my colleagues don't like hearing this, but but the idea I sort of have is this development in the Northern Book Cliffs is is very likely going to occur, regardless of Grand County's perspective. Uh, even if we were to write a letter saying we were completely opposed to any of this, that Scylla is not bound by by what we think. So, um, I'm not saying that 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 pre- presents a green light to proceed uh, full speed ahead, but it, uh, it it's certainly one of the factors we we have to consider. So, uh, we are proceeding cautiously, and and uh, have made no decisions to build the road in our conversations with. Uh, the commissioners in U.N. In County, we've also made that clear to them that we're making no uh, decisions here. We're not green lighting anything here. Uh, we would simply like to do a little more analysis so as we move forward we can make uh, more informed decisions.
0: I wonder if uh, I could have you address before we move on to our other guests for this uh, part of the program uh, the, the issue of water. John Weisheit especially raised that, and we've we've had um, concerns raised in Moab that uh, municipal water was being used for extractive uh, industry. These industries are quite thirsty.
3: Well, I I, I agree with John. I think uh, we have all overallocated uh, historically the Colorado River, and and we certainly need to be uh, very cautious. Uh, of how we move forward with any types of industrial development that require water. Now, the recent uh, concern in in Moab with, with water was uh, um, a company was hauling some culinary water uh, out uh, as they were using to drill some of the wells on Big Flat that Chris talked about, and, and these were valid concerns. Uh, the county and the city looked into this. We found out that the amount of water was... Uh, about equivalent to what one of our large motels use in a year. Um, we also found out that, I, and Chris will know more about this, about 40% of the water that we produce in Grand County just goes right back into the Colorado River system. So um, it, it, it appears we, uh, based on our current uses, we have, have the water. But But certainly I would agree as we move forward, we need to be very cautious. One of the things... Uh, that this recent issue in Moab uh, brought about uh, that everyone agrees with is that we do need a more detailed and accurate analysis of the aquifer that our most of our residents in Grand County use, and we're working with the Utah Division of Water Rights and the USGS. Uh, San Juan County is involved and, and others, and we're going to proceed with, with some analysis and some study. Uh, That's it, a viable and it's a reasonable question. We need to know exactly what our aquifer is capable of producing, uh, how much we need, and then I think, we're, again, we're in a better decision down the road to make more uh, you know, informed uh, decisions.
0: We turn next to John Wisehite with uh, Living Rivers. Uh, I wonder what your your view is of this uh, this pipeline. I, th- I think it's 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 been authorized by, by the BLM. It's, it's going in. This was I I think this was precipitated by the state saying that uh, the flare offs of natural gases had reached uh, untenable levels and they they wanted to capture that. Uh, when you talk a bit about that?
1: Um. Well. Actually, I'd rather not. I'd rather talk about water pipeline. <laughs> Maybe uh, Dave or Chris would like to respond to that. <laughs> okay,
0: I'll, I'll give you a chance to talk about water. Did uh, Dave or Chris? Do you, do you have perspective on this? This the gas pipeline.
4: Chris, why don't you cover uh, it? You know this Chris. and the pollution um, out
2: there pretty well. Are you? Uh, so the uh, I think that it, that the leases up at Big Flats, you know, most of them have been established for a long time. Some of them even thirty years. Um, So that development is happening, and it's going to happen. I uh, I do agree with capturing the natural gas and using it as opposed to just sending it straight into the atmosphere. I mean, it's unfortunate that that pipeline, I mean, it's really an eyesore, um, and uh, I'm not exactly sure, you know, how to counter that. There have been some citizens in Grand County that actually want to reinforce the pipeline to uh, a higher standard of construction. Uh, for safety concerns, and I understand that. I mean, it's sitting right next to the road, and anybody could crash into it. Um, but I, I also have concerns about making it, reinforcing it, and making it an even uh, more imposing feature on the landscape. So um, you know, it's it's a tough scenario up there when you have uh, recreation and industry uh, trying to uh, coexist in the same territory. Um, but um, I, I don't agree with just flaring natural gas straight into the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what alternative there is other
0: than a pipeline. Uh, I suppose one, uh, you know, potential problem, a worry, would be uh, perhaps some of the air quality problems that they're, that they're seeing in the Una Basin.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, Island in the Sky um, is, is f- fairly close to um, a non-attainment position Um, there's been several exceedances at island in the sky for for ozone of the national ambient air quality standard over the years and so it is a concern air quality is a concern even at island in the sky I don't know if everybody realizes that Uh, the current the current standard is 75 parts per billion of ozone and um, we're sitting around 69 and uh, on on average Um, but sometimes we do exceed the National Ambient Air Quality Standard for Ozone, which is a health-based standard. And it's especially, um, it's especially troubling because when you, you get the, uh, the detrimental effects are exacerbated when you're breathing hard and exercising, which is what everybody's doing up there. <laughs> so oh. it, it, is, it is a concern. There is an independent um, scientific advisory committee that establishes um, recommended standards for, for ozone and other Um, harmful air pollutants and they recommended a standard between 60 and 70 parts per billion for ozone Um, a negotiation happened during the bush era which is which established the 75 parts per billion which is above what this independent health um, committee advised and so that has been in negotiation for several years and it's expected that it will be lowered to between sixty and seventy parts per billion and if that happens it's likely that island in the sky will go into non-attainment for ozone and so it is a a health issue and um, any any, uh, flaring of natural gas uh, diesel generation up there all these different things can can exacerbate that problem
0: we do have a uh, a comment by email. You can comment. We'd love it if you would. Uh, what's your view? Can uh, extractive industry and uh, tourism and uh, recreation coexist or or not? And uh, what's the extraction industry uh, the, uh, being ramped up in several areas? Uh, what's it like in your area? And the number is one eight hundred eight two six one four nine five. Or you can reach us by email to Access at gmail dot com. Uh, so here is a question and comment from Devon, in Vernal. And I put out the word to my fellow Vernalites uh, to uh, give me a comment on the situation there in the Una, uh, UNA Basin. He says, I've seen the mineral lease monies from our area uh, actually help boost our travel and tourism opportunities. Yes, both recreation camp and extraction camp ideas can work together and can actually help each other, provide a stronger economy for local residents that have made the area their home. Thanks for having the conversation and making sure to look at both sides. That's uh, uh, Devin. I wonder uh, if I could turn uh, to uh, Mayor Early for, for a comment first on, on that. Well,
4: um, yeah, I think I think it's interesting to have that dialogue Um and of course, the devil's in the details of about what the uh, the diversification is at present, and then leads to in the future. So, um, again, I guess I'm with would agree with Chris that what's going on in Island in the Sky is, is been leased long ago, and it's happening. And if we're going to have the natural gas production, we should get that um, flared off gas and try and keep it out of the atmosphere. Um, but I, I think you know Moab's in a, a boom again. It, our, our tourist season this year is as strong as it it's ever been. It seems, in the businesses, are telling me, and you know, it's kind of ironic on top of 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 that background of a fairly stable industry. It does have its challenges as far as sal- salaries and and the kind of economy it builds. I would agree with Lynn on that. But it's it's interesting that we're we're pushing so hard on that background for another boom-bust type industry here um, and what that brings. So I, that makes me nervous a little bit. And I mean, what's your time frame on boom-bust? Is it 30 years? Is it five years? That's a hard call mm-hmm. on this one. And like I said before, if society gets serious about carbon and institutes a carbon tax, the bust could happen pretty quick for these marginal forms of hydrocarbon. I really wanted to follow up on a couple things. One is Chris's comments about Dead Horse—I mean, about Island in the Sky at Canyonlands and their ozone. Um, We have—we have no ozone readings down in the Moab Valley, and I think you in Salt Lake and in Bernal are very aware of um, the inversion effect and the fact that our high country typically has better air quality than our low country. And I think you know this is something I challenge the county council to do: is put a put a air quality monitoring station in the valley, in the middle of the valley, say, at the visitor center or something like that, and see how we're doing down in the valley itself because some of us have serious, serious questions about if Dead Horse Point is near non-attainment, what it's like down in our valleys, especially in the winter. And then the other thing about, you know, Lynn talks about it being Sitla land and that being outside of our control. I'd agree with that to a point, but I'd also say that it's... Um, Right now, Uinta County has built a haul road to the P.R. Springs tar sands mine. Um, Within six miles, it's paved. It's a massive road. If you're a road rider, you might want to go out and ride on it. It looks pretty phenomenal. Um, So to go down the book cliffs on the other side is doubtful. And the Sago Canyon Road really wouldn't be accessing this tar sands. Um, So it would require another road or some way to get it down if it was to come down into um, Emory County or Grand County. Um, the reason I bring this up is because what's happening is the hydrocarbons are going north, and then the Salt Lake City and ad- exacerbating the Salt Lake City air quality, the problems there. And we really feel like that we have the potential down here in Grand County to be the next sacrifice zone in Utah for air quality and all this industrialization to save the Wasatch Front. And I'm not saying that the Wasatch Front doesn't have challenges and we shouldn't improve the air quality there. I have many friends there. I used to live there, and I understand that. But I have a hard time taking the national parks in one of the most beautiful places, the Colorado Plateau, that is internationally um, revered, and making it a sacrifice zone. And then all that blows off to Colorado, up the Colorado River Basin, to the headwaters of the Colorado River, only to exacerbate the problems John talks about with water. It's not like the water is going down in the Colorado River, and if we keep doing these industrial things on massive scale, it will only continue to go down. At what point do we say enough is enough? That's what we're really talking about here.
0: We're talking about uh, yes, we're talking about uh, energy uh, extraction and uh, tourism. Can the two coexist specifically in Grand County? But our, uh, I'm asking you uh, about the situation in your area, John Weiss. I have not forgotten about you, and I want to get back to you and uh, talk about uh, water pipelines and other issues you may want to follow up with. But we do have uh, another caller, Margaret, in Vernal. Margaret, glad you called. Go ahead with your question
2: or comment. Oh, thank you. Um, actually, I wanted to uh, talk about the um, uh, whether one realizes. The, the beauty that we have in Vernal, uh, not Vernal, but in, in the uh, state parks here and and the uh, federal parks, uh, they're, they're like nothing else in the world, I don't think. And I've been fortunate enough to travel quite a bit. Um, and I haven't heard anyone mention those sort of things at the moment. And the other thing, that it seems a little ridiculous to be um, aiming on do, using extra water when we are reasonably short of water in this area already.
0: Okay, Thank th- thanks Margaret. I uh, appreciate your call. I believe that would segue into a uh, response from John uh, to uh, Maybe respond to, to Margaret first and then, and then uh, tell us about the your concerns about water pipelines.
1: Yes, um, well, there are a measure of things that we can do to improve the water situation. For example, um, the community is being asked to uh, allow this industrialization to happen in exchange for wilderness. And actually it should be the other way around. We should be using wilderness to protect the landscapes and especially the watersheds. So for example, the tar sands oil shell areas is um, an area that's above seven to 8,000 feet, which is critical for recharging aquifers and the Colorado River system. And so what the industries want to do is come to a, a, a place where that actually at the moment contributes water to the Colorado River system. They want to strip mine it, which would essentially destroy the near-surface aquifers, Um, the trees that shade the snow, Um, none of the reclamation plans for any of these applications talk about restoring or replacing the forest. And so, um, in other words, we don't have a national water policy in this country. We do have a national energy policy, but that national energy policy is putting our watersheds at risk. And Congress hasn't appropriately responded to the risks that they've put on water. For example, the 2005 Energy Act has uh, exemptions for the Safe Drinking Water Act. So um, maybe we're providing natural resources when it requ- requires energy, but it's at the cost of our watersheds and our water. And so we need... We should be having wilderness to protect our watersheds, not as some sort of arbitrary um, way to make industry happy. And what Congress needs to do, and what the state legislature needs to do, and what the agencies need to do is to to stop hurting the watershed, let the watershed heal, because this short-term industry of 30... Forty years is going to hurt us on the hydro cycle for centuries, if not millennia, and that's not good public policy. Yeah.
0: So you're concerned that uh, the the extractive industry potentially is just a, a few decades, but the damage would be lasting.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: We're talking with John Weisheit, Conservation Director for Living Rivers. You just heard from him right there. Chris Baird, Executive Director of Canyonlands Watershed Council. David Early, Mayor of Castle Valley. And Lynn Jackson, who's Grand County Council Chairman. Uh, we're talking about uh, recreation in Grand County versus, as some people see it, extractive industries, which are uh, ramping up potential is great in grand county as the as it is in many areas uh especially with new techniques to get at natural gas oil potash potentially tar sands um but the uh, the current dominant industry is recreation and tourism that provides uh, most of the jobs can the two coexist that's one of the questions we're asking and what are the concerns i'm asking what your concerns are in your area as well whether it be in Grand County or from Uanda County, where we've heard from a couple of people. And the number to reach us is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. About six or seven minutes left in the program. Or you can reach us by email to upraxis at gmail.com. Let's turn back to Lynn Jackson from the Grand County Council. I wonder if you could uh, respond to Devin. Devin Invernal uh, says that he thinks that the recreation and uh, extraction can coexist. Uh, each have ideas that can work uh, together and provide for a stronger economy. That's what he believes he's seeing in Uenda uh, County. And I believe you believe that uh, that can happen in Grand County as well.
3: Well, I think so. Uh, you know, I would agree with that. You know, one thing that I would point out, uh, and this is based on my background as a geologist, is, when we talk about the potential for conventional oil and gas development in Grand County, we are several quantum levels below what is uh, occurring in, in the Basin. I believe in the U.N.A. Basin they have uh, roughly 10,000 producing oil and gas wells up there. Uh, what we're looking at in Grand County, uh, particularly in this big flat area, is, is at most maybe 50 oil wells or, or oil pads. They can drill more than one well from a pad. So we're talking about 50 uh, well pads out there. Um, just interestingly, I would point out that the, the oil company that is doing the development up there in 2012 and 2013, they drilled 10 oil wells. The uh, these were on federal lands, and and the state and the county share in some of the royalty that they paid to the federal government. Those ten wells, ten wells, increased the um, Grand County share of mineral royalties from before the wells. It would have been about four hundred thousand dollars. After these wells were drilled, uh, it went to about one point four million. So from ten wells, we saw about a million dollars in royalty come into the county. Uh, concurrently with that, we were in a situation where uh, we were going to have to consider closing the doors on our long-term health uh, or care center, or nursing home in Grand County, which is run by uh, a special service district. We were able to take some of that royalty money and provide it over to that uh, special service district, and, and it fundamentally allowed us to keep the doors open for that nursing home. So... Um, Again, you know, back to the question, yes, I, I believe with with careful planning and thoughtful discussion and looking forward, we can find a way to benefit from both our our natural, visual, recreational resources and what I consider, uh, compared to the U.N. Basin, a fairly modest um, oil and gas industry, but nonetheless one which is very important to us.
0: We have another caller, uh, Chad in Roosevelt. Chad, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment.
6: Yeah, I just want to say that I also live in the Uinta Basin, and we've been in the sacrifice zone for quite some time, I think. And one of the results is that our air is really bad. As people have mentioned, I had a friend who had to leave the area because it caused so many health problems for for her. And uh, also, I want to say anybody who thinks that the oil shale and tar sands can can coexist with recreation and wildlife should go see the, the test mine that they're talking about at PR Springs. I've been there and it really is a strip mine and I can't see how that could coexist with any other uses really. And I hated to see what they've done with the highway down to that. And I I think taxpayers have paid part of that and uh, it used to be a little more of a remote area. Now it's a major, major road down to there. So anyway, I think we have been getting the short end of the stick for a while. Recently there was a land trade where Grand County actually got some of their land protected, but it, in return we got more state trust lands in oil and tar sand areas. So I really don't want either of our counties to be a, a sacrifice zone. So anyway, that's just my thoughts on this.
0: Okay, thanks, Chad. Appreciate your uh, perspective. Um, I, uh, I wonder, um, Dave Early, if you want to respond to that.
4: Well, I I don't know. I Yeah, I definitely think that the land swap that – Chad mentions favors Grand County and hurt Uinta Basin and people like Chad's interest. And I think uh... the entities involved in those land swaps have learned some things from that that trade and how, over time, things, you know, the value of those hydrocarbons increased over the time that it was all being negotiated out. And by the time it got done, you wonder whether. I mean, it was a good thing for my valley. I got, my town got its its watershed, basically sit out of our watershed. And as Lynn mentions, they are, act as if they're above any local land use. So they're far worse of an agency to deal with than um, the federal government, the BLM or the Forest Service. You actually have a lot more re- ways to interact with those agencies. So we benefited, but, you know, I'm well aware that at our benefit, there's cost up north, and, uh Yeah so hindsight's twenty twenty. Right.
0: Uh, before we close, we just have about 30 seconds. Uh, I wanted to ask uh, Lynn Jackson. One of our other guests uh, challenged the county council to uh, put an air monitoring station uh, in the valley. I wonder what you think about that, just very
3: briefly. I think that'd be a great idea and certainly uh, uh, would have no opposition to that, nor do I think the rest of the council members, uh, if we could uh, work together to figure out a way to fund that, uh, I think that would be a great idea.
0: Well, we'll have to uh, leave it there. Much more, of course, we could say, and this conversation can continue. You can email us to upraxcess at gmail.com, or you can uh, comment on our post on our website, upr.org. Our uh, guests have included John Weisheit from Living Rivers. Thank you so much. Uh, Chris Baird from Canyonlands Watershed Council. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, David Early from uh, Mayor of Cassaville. Thank you.
4: Thank you much. I thought this was a good forum.
0: And Thank uh, you. you.
1: John, I was on mute. I'm sorry. Thank you very much for having
0: us. Uh, uh, I appreciate that. And Lynn Jackson, Grand County Council Chairman, thank you so much.
3: Thank
0: you, Tom. So tomorrow on the program, we hope you'll join us. We'll be talking about an important new development, Uh, a new price point, $1,000 to get your genome sequenced, your personal genome. And experts think that uh, that will uh, precipitate a lot of us doing that. Is it a good idea? We'll be talking about genetic testing on the program tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. And for producers, Katie Swain and Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for
5: joining us. Deseret News columnist, Steve Eaton. I have sacrificed much to purchase something that only solidifies the perception that I am a dork and now sits in a place of honor on a soft cloth in my den where it is lovely to behold. I don't dare use it. Dabbling in eBay is like eating chocolate chip cookies. You may not be thirsty now, but after you eat a delicious soft cookie, you suddenly, absolutely have to have a glass of ice cold milk. If you do any exploring on eBay, you soon realize there's a lot of stuff for sale that you really need. With me, it's often stuff I never knew I needed until I discovered it. Not long ago, for example, I purchased an ICOG Dion V.5CB steampunk wood case for my iPhone that I really needed once I saw it. I'm not making that up. It was more than a year ago when I came across a one-of-a-kind mahogany briefcase on eBay. It had a hand-carved design on it and it appeared most people, including some very smart people that you and I both know, were ignoring it. I waited until the last second and I bought it for just $30 plus shipping. It wasn't perfect. It had a scuff mark on it, but it was pretty cool. So I showed it to a friend I respect who's been working as a carpenter, making complicated things like cabinets and things you have to measure carefully as you create them. He showed my briefcase proper respect and said it was indeed unique and nice. Then he said the words I wish I'd never heard him say. Gee, too bad it's not a rosewood briefcase. Now that would be a find. He went on to explain to me all the reasons why rosewood would be very difficult to fashion into a briefcase. Apparently, they never form into briefcases naturally in the wild, so they have to be cut, cured, and treated in a very complicated way before they're capable of looking like a briefcase. They're hard to find and very expensive. If you own one, it makes you happy. I didn't really understand why rosewood is special, and I still don't, but suddenly I had to have a rosewood briefcase. There are some offered that purport to be Rosewood briefcases on eBay, but the real thing is elusive. Now, when I talk about this briefcase, I know what you're thinking. You're wondering if I'm aware of the fact that any briefcase, no matter how expensive, is going to look just plain dorky in the post-Leave-it-to-Beaver era. Yes, I'm aware of this. And yet, I just have three things I need to do for sure before I die. One of them is to go to Maui for a nice long vacation, The second is to inherit Bill Gates' fortune. And the third is to get a Rosewood briefcase. Now, before you judge me too harshly, let's do a review of your life. Do you have a new car when a used one would do? Do you ever go on a weekend getaway that you really don't have to go on? Have you ever been to a professional sporting event and purchased concession snacks? If so, then you probably outspent me. Everyone has their Rosewood briefcases. It's just that mine is from the 1950s and makes people laugh. I could go on with such justifications because even though I financed my purchase by selling other stuff on eBay, I had to use every argument I could think of to convince my wife that, to me, a Rosewood briefcase is truly a need and not a want. It took more than a year. From a marriage standpoint, it was my hardest, most complicated, tricky, and outright dangerous eBay buy yet. And that's saying a lot. I didn't think anyone would understand this irrational desire until I met a guy through eBay who was selling his Rosewood briefcase. He had cared for it well over the years, treating it like a piece of art or expensive furniture. His wife told him that he too was a dork for having such an outdated accessory. I think the fact that I appreciated his love of fine wood coupled with the fact that I was willing to pay him his asking price won him over. I was disappointed after I got my rosewood briefcase to discover that it didn't make my problems go away as expected. I still love it, however, and I spend my spare time practicing, walking from room to room with my $30 briefcase so I can learn to move about without smashing it into things. I don't want to scratch it. Last night, I showed it to my carpenter friend. He handled it very carefully and said he was impressed. Rosewood is such a beautiful wood, you know, he said. And then he looked me in the eye. Do you know that if you had a few thousand dollars, you could buy an incredibly beautiful rosewood desk? They are so expensive, but so very sweet. I've seen a few on eBay. This is Steve Eaton.
1: This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, hd one Moab, KCEU Price,
3: and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.